for the six questions um, from free transcript, or if you don't like to talk about it, let me know, and then move on to the next question. Okay. All right, so number one, how do you feel about police brutality in the Latino community? How do I feel about it? Yeah. Um, well, it's upsetting, really. It's, uh, it's something that really angers me, um, and it makes me very sad. Uh, it's a horrible injustice that goes on all the time, and it's on all types of scale. It's everything from straight-out murder uh, to other types of violence, um, beatings and tasings and stuff like that, to things like, you know, uh, falsification of police reports, um, excessive charges, um, you know, incarceration. The policing is just, you know, one one side of the, the system, the domestic yeah. system, but that's what gets people into it. And once you get in, it's really hard to get out. So um, there's a lot more to say on it, but that's my, my feeling, that's it. It's anger and it's sadness. Do you wanna elaborate it? anymore or you're good with that I, I don't know i kind of suspect that um the elaboration might come in the next questions uh, don't worry uh, so the next question is, is why do you think the police attack the latino group why do they attack yeah um, well, I think in general, they tend to view uh, brown folks as having less education, less access to resources, um, and less information about their rights and how to stand up for them and, and fight for their rights. So um, one of the things that I see is that when the police use violence against brown folks, they will also usually file charges against that person. Um, and, you know, it's anything. It's it, from what they, what they were maybe involved in in the first place or, or not, or what it seemed like they were involved in, or what the call was about, uh, to, you know, sometimes trumped up charges or, you know, things like, um, like PC-148, they call it a contempt of cop, delay and obstruct. Um, and so people don't understand that if they are convicted of any incident that um, in which they're also a victim of police violence or survivor, then for the most part, they can't sue. And usually their only recourse is suing in civil court. Um, that's due to something called the heck rule. Um, it's case law in the state of California. So. Um, all they have to do is file charges and the people don't have access to an attorney besides maybe the public defender. They don't know their rights. They don't know that they really have to beat that case in order to, to, um, to sue. And uh, the system, the way it works is people get overcharged. And so then um, when they plea to something lower, because it seems like the best option that they have, they don't usually consider the fact that they can beat the charges. Um, then they end up with a conviction and then basically most of the time that makes them ineligible to sue there's other things they can do they can file complaints 
um, they can protest, they can speak up, um, they can get the media involved. A lot of times people are scared to do that because, um, well, they don't want their names out there. Um, uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure to become a public figure. Um, people start asking about their past and their family and history. And yeah. the police also, you know, they'll do every, they'll use every, every kind of information they have available, which is prior criminal record, prior arrests. Even if they, you know, never were charged in the past, if there was any arrest, they'll use that to basically slander people and it exposes them. Um, and then there's also been really bad cases of, of, of retaliation against people that have spoken out. I mean, I'm here in Pomona where uh, in 2013, um, the police killed Andres Avila, uh, you know, this was um, six months or so after he had filed an excessive force complaint, a formal complaint against um, the officer that beat, they, they beat him in the hospital, he ended up hospitalized. Um, and uh, yeah, and so, you know, we know that that happened to him. And I think people to the date, it's been 20, it's been almost 10 years now. People in Pomona know that happened, you know, so that really puts a chill on trying to use the complaint process as a way to get justice uh, when people are aggrieved. So there's a lot of reasons. And also, I mean, not to mention immigration, people are scared to death of getting deported or that their family members are going to get deported. And a lot of people are from mixed status families. So, I mean, you just, you add the poverty and, and add the immigration, it's just a whole nother layer of uh, reasons why people are hesitant to, or, you know, are hesitant and that makes them vulnerable to, to that kind of abuse. Yeah, I used to live in Pomona like three or four years ago and I didn't know that happened to Andreas. And, and you said earlier, B, BC48, can you give me that in the English form? Um, I'm sorry, you, wait, I, I didn't quite understand the question. Would you mind repeating? I remember you said something about the PC-48. PC-48, yeah. Can you give me that in the English? Oh, yeah. So the P PC is the penal code. It's the criminal code. And 148 is the section of the penal code that, um, they, they often charge people with, uh, usually, you know, sometimes unnecessarily. Um, we joke about it. We call it a contempt of cop charge because it means somebody, you know, was filming or was speaking out or protesting. But uh, the actual, the, uh, you know, text of the code says delaying or obstructing a peace officer. So I've, I've been charged with it before too. <laughs> the PC 148 is section 148 of the penal code. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the next question is how did the how did this affect the Latino community? Um, well, you know, I think there's like a there's a history of an antagonistic relationship. Um, even though the the force itself is a lot more brown than it used to be, it's still very uh, conservative politically, um, there's still, you know, that blue coat of silence, uh, there's still, you know, one hand that washes the other, there's still a very close relationship between the police departments and the, pub, the, uh, the district attorneys. So um, it makes people hesitant to report um, crimes that they've been a victim of or that they've witnessed 
Um, and so in some ways it kind of foments antisocial behavior in the community uh, because people are, are, um, are afraid to, they're either afraid or because of that, uh, uh, you know, history of antagonism, they don't want to, they don't want to, they have basically, we have a closer relationship with like the people who are, you know, troublemakers in the community than we are with the, with the cops, which yeah. in some ways is good, you know, it helps keep people out of the system, but in some ways people get victimized because of that. So um, there's that hesitance. Um, that's like, that's the main, I think, uh, 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 way. Um, also, you know, it can uh, prevent people from um, obtaining uh, immigration um, benefits that they are eligible for. So like the um, Immigration and Nationality Act, um, it has a section that allows people that have been victims of certain crimes um, and who have suffered as a result of those crimes and who have collaborated with authorities, law enforcement or the DA or whoever in investigating or in prosecuting those crimes uh, to be eligible for a visa. And that's one of the ways that people can, you know, uh, be on the path to regularizing their status. But if you're in a community that has an antagonistic relationship with the police where there's no trust, then you're going to be a lot more hesitant to, um, to, to you know, go through that process of, of requesting a U visa. The law enforcement agency has to certify. They file a supplement um, to, to that. It's called I-918 um, to that form. Um, so, you know, if you don't have a good relationship, then, you know, you could be really hesitant to, 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 you know, apply for something that can really benefit you. You can get a work permit, you can, after a year, you can get a, a green card, you know, and that's, that's, uh, that's a huge, makes a huge difference in people's lives if they don't have status. And if, you know, if that's not in, in, in the picture because of what's going on between you, you and the police or the community and the police, then um, that make that's a big that makes a big deal. Same thing with domestic violence. You know, like a lot of times the people who are suffering or uh, surviving domestic violence, they don't want to uh, call the cops. They don't want to get the cops involved. Um, for you know, for all those same reasons that that antagonism. How do you feel about? I do. How do you feel about that? Like domestic violence with other people. Well, it's really frightening because um, you know it's it's a it's a cycle of power and control, and um, a lot of people are stuck in it, and um, where the abusers are most dangerous is when the survivor, the person who's you know um, subject to the violence, is just about to break free. Um, you know, part of that cycle of control is cutting off the per person's ties with their friends and family and everybody else. Um, and so, so a lot of times the only place that they have to go is like a domestic violence shelter. Um, and um, it's, it's right before that or at that around, around that time where they're finally making the break that the, the person is the most um, dangerous. And that's where we have a lot of the, the, the uh, murders take place. To my son. <laughs> um, so it's a very, very dangerous situation for people to be in. Um, and it's really important for the people in our community to, to understand that there's resources available, that there's shelters, that there's places for they, where they can be, where they're going to be protected from their abuser, that they can get, a, you know, they're not going to have to worry about rent and food and their, their kids can go with them most of the time. You know, if the kid, the boys are over like 16 or, or something like that, then they can't go with them. But um, 
for the most part, you know, especially as the kids are young, they can be there and they can have resources and they'll go connect them to somebody that can get, get them a U visa or maybe VAWA, uh, the, you know, they can get a, um, they can self-petition for immigration status um, under the Violence Against Women Act. Um, but yeah, it's a very, very dangerous, dangerous situation, especially for the mujeres to, to be in. Um, and, uh, you know, having an antagonistic relationship with the police is not helpful at all. Thank you for that. Um, so the next question is, have you, I know you're somewhere, I know you're somewhere there. Um, have you talked to your family about this? Like, about police brutality? Did I talk to my family about it? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, here in my house, I think you could, it's pretty safe to say we're a FTP kind of household. Um, we're, we're out there, you know, when they do something wrong and we protest. Um, but even like the family that I come from, you know, my, my mom and um, her, her partner, my sisters, uh, you know, it's something that we talk about. Like we don't see each other quite as often nowadays because of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but like we used to like get together once a month for brunch and have our family time and um, you know, always, you know, talk a lot of politics, but it comes up because they know what I do and um, they are involved in other ways too. So yeah, yeah, it's something that we talk about. Okay. Um, so have you, so have you seen, have you seen any police brutality in your own eyes in the Latino community? in the last five years? Mm, last five years, in my own eyes. Um, see, that would be 16. Uh, I'm trying to remember. The, the things that I've seen um, are like at, at marches and rallies and stuff like that. And, um, you know, when the police get a little bit too aggressive, I don't know if it's been within the last five years or then the other things that I've seen um, is like video or I've done also like uh, intakes interviews with people that have suffered like the next day after yeah. they're abused. Um, I, but to put a date on it, I'm not really sure. I have all this stuff on file. So the dates are not really the, something that I keep really, really fresh in my mind. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, so not, not really, um, I, I probably have to say no, just because of the time frame. Right, um, do you do you remember any of it in your lifetime, or never? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, there was a case that I uh, did intake on. Uh, we were actually organizing um, some tenants at an apartment building. Yes, mijo. In in uh, Pomona on Pasadena Street. And um, then one of the neighbors uh, was, was brutalized. It was like three young brothers. They're like 18 to 22, something like that. They were, on, they were warming up the car early, early in the morning, like five o'clock in the morning, they go to work. Cops show up, um, shining the flashlights in their faces. And, uh, you know, they're like, what's going on? And then basically just started beating uh, one of them. Uh, this is the Elio brothers case. Um, they, 
and filed charges against them. That was one of those contempt of cop things. They charged him with resisting arrest in that case, which is very similar. Um, so I wasn't there, but I saw the video that like that night. And then as soon as the brother who was beaten got out of jail, uh, then I interviewed him and I passed that information on to an attorney uh, that would help them uh, beat their criminal case and then went on to sue. They ended up settling out of court. Um, I think they got something like $750,000 out of the city. And that officer ended up getting uh, fired, which was very, very rare uh, situation. But he had already been involved in like four other cases. Sorry. Um, so I wasn't like there, there, but uh, you know, I was pretty closely involved right afterwards. Um, I was involved, I was uh, basically, when, when the police, Pomona police beat up Christian Aguilar at the fair, um, that was that was probably about five years ago. Again, I wasn't there. I didn't find out about it until like, you know, the media came out in the media, but pretty much right after that, I was in touch with the family. I went to the, that's one of the things that I do is I go to the court, I go to court yeah. um, to observe because, you know, there's not really good media coverage. So I, um, was in court, you know, several days of those, there were several trials, uh, basically just to witness and, and provide information to the community about what was going on there. I also went to court when they killed um, Jose Herrera. This was in the city of Ontario. Um, he was a Salvadorian uh, guy. And so um, I worked with his brothers to, I mean, his sons to put on rallies and stuff like that. City of Ontario, go speak out at city council. Um, and so they invited me to that uh, trial too, and I was able to observe that trial. Again, I didn't see I didn't see the the killing, you know, with my eyes, but I saw the video of it in court. I talked to the family, um, and like I remember, like May Day, the actually the reason why Capwatch IE was founded was because May Day 2012 in Riverside, we had a contingent of students coming up with the main, you know, march, meeting up with the main march. For, they were coming up from RCC on bikes and and skateboards and stuff like that. The cops stop him. They grab some guy by the neck. They beat up. He was a white guy, but they beat up the other guy that they beat. Um, uh, his name was Carlos. He was, he was, you know, Mexican American. So these are just like things that I've seen, you know, and, and had involvement in one way or another uh, over the years. Most of them has been, you know, abuse against um, Mexican Americans, Salvadorian Americans or immigrants, um, you know, brown folks. All right. And you already answered the next question, so thank you, Benjamin, for the discussion. You really helped me out with my paper article, and I really appreciate it. So thank you again. Uh, it's my pleasure. Um, if you wouldn't mind sending me a copy of it, I would really love to read it um, when you're done. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you want me to email you the same email? Yeah, that'd be great if you wouldn't okay, mind. I'll email you when I'm done. All right, appreciate and, it. Best of luck in your studies. What's up? Best of luck in your all of your studies. Oh, thank you, thank you. All right, bye now.